What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. All right, guys, uh, before we get started with the podcast today, Jason and I wanted to just come on here and talk to you a little bit and let you know that we recorded this episode prior to the verdict in the Derek Chauvin case um, came out on Tuesday. And it was one of those things where we this is one of the reasons we want our podcast so we could come on here and talk about things that are important to us and uh, I know for me, number one, first and foremost, our, our thoughts and prayers are still with the family of George Floyd, uh, who was murdered a year ago. And you know, to have them you now this on their mind for a year, you know, it's crazy what's happened in our world in the last 12 months. But I know especially for them and to have that happen um, and for that person to be held accountable is a. Uh, you know, you can't bring back the life that was lost. So you can never have true justice when somebody's life is taken away like that. But to have a little bit of peace that the person responsible was held accountable is um, is a small, um, small piece of, um, you know, hope for them. And, and I think that's, for me personally, I think the fact that so many of us were prepared for it to go differently, right? And to hear not guilty, I think that just lets you know how, you know, broken the system is and how often it's failed. And so there's still a ton of work to be done. Uh, Police brutality is still a very, very serious thing in our country. And, um, you know, I think it's one of those things where we always have to be working because there's always going to be another thing that happened that really just um, pushes us back as a society. So um, this is, we just, before we get to the jokes and the funnies that, you know, we, we love, we also care about a lot of different things. And, you know, you can expect us to talk about things like this on the podcast. And I'm happy that we didn't have to re-record an entire podcast 
talking about how the system once again failed. Um, but even in that, I'm, I'm just, I'm, no, you, there's a numbness to this where it's like, I'm not happy. Um, I feel a little bit better for George Floyd's family, but like, like I said, like you can't bring back the life that was taken. So I think, uh, it's a weird space to be in. And we just, we just wanted to let everybody know that we are, uh, you know, part of this podcast is know informing people and educating people and, and talking about things that are really important to the two of us. Not, this is not just me. Like this is something that Jason and I talk about often, um, off the mic. And, and so we want to make sure we bring that to you guys. Um, to better educate the people out there that, that listen to our pod. This is something I, first off, I agree with everything you just said and I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, This is something we could have scrapped the entire show and redone the whole thing on this. Um, And if this had happened before we recorded this week, that probably is what we would have done. When Russ says this is something we would have talked about uh, I think this is something we probably will talk about next week. And um, you'll just have to take that a week late. I think it'll still be on everybody's mind. I I know that you're not really in a state of mind to go through all your thoughts on this and you're still trying to organize your thoughts on this. But I am interested if I can ask you this, um, just what it was like finding out yesterday because – as you said, everybody was braced for a much different outcome. And I know that you were, and you got this in the middle of work. You had a lot going on. Yeah. I think when this came down while you were at the Cubs game that night, um, what, just what was that afternoon and evening like for you, Rose? Yeah, just uh, weird. Um, knowing that the verdict was coming out, working, doing questions and stuff pregame and then like being in the city and knowing all right if this goes one way like, all right now how am I gonna get can I get home and all this other stuff and so just that and then honestly preparing for the worst uh preparing for a not guilty verdict and I guess yeah when when I saw on Twitter that it was guilty on all three counts. It was just like, okay. And like, that was it. Like there was no relief. There was no, because for me, you know, it's like (laughs) if the score is a hundred to zero and you get one bucket, like it doesn't really change a whole lot uh, in the, in the game. And I think that's the way I view this sure i think in terms of going forward having precedent having things um to revert back to in, in future cases like this is cool or whatever but it wasn't a uh a sense of happiness or whatever because i know for me if if i lost somebody like that where the world got to watch my friend, my loved one be murdered on TV and on and have that just continue to be played 
And I think the thing with this, it was, you know, when we were all on lockdown, right. And we were all in our homes. And so I think that's one of the reasons it became such a worldwide story. So um, that's what was going through my mind. And it still hasn't uh, really processed yet. Um, And I think one of the reasons for that is because I know that things like that happen every day that aren't on video, you know, and, and you're, you know, it's, it's how do we continue to make sure that this stops happening? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, man. I agree with you in the sense of, um, you know, I was talking with my wife about this the night that that came out that it, it's just, I wouldn't think of it as a, necessarily a really good thing or a really happy outcome. I mean, it can't be fixed. You can't change what happened. And it is good to see justice served, but it's also like you said, when not only in this situation, when you look at how daunting it is that you, you can't put that man's life back in his body and put that person back in their family. Right no matter what outcome you get, no matter what sentencing is to come for Derek Chauvin. And you, it also doesn't change the macro reality here where this is the best that black people can hope for right now in our country is that something that is very obvious, couldn't be clearer on video, that in that case, the thing that's obviously supposed to happen anyway Mm-hmm. happens that's right. that's your highest aspiration in these cases is that what should clearly happen how this clearly should be dealt with by the legal system is actually dealt with the right way that that's supposed to be considered some kind of victory when that's the way it should be all the time right and like so me sitting on pins and needles thinking well i this should go one way but i have a feeling in my gut because of what I've seen in my 26 years on this earth will likely go another way. It, it's yeah, it, it shouldn't be, I shouldn't have that feeling if right. the system worked the way it was supposed to. Right. But we know that, that it does not. Um, I appreciate you guys giving us the space to talk about this. Uh, we have a really good episode for you guys this week. We really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot different than what we've just discussed. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. If, <laughs> it, if you're it, really what down, you're about right? to get is a hard left turn from this. Right. And and but we wanted to we always want to give you guys authenticity on our podcast and, yeah. and be honest and be real with you about the things that are going on in the world and going on in our lives. So um we appreciate you guys. We appreciate all the support on the podcast and um Yeah, I I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. I was, uh... I was shocked at just how many reactions we got to the superhero thing because I didn't. There's literally a superhero that does this, and everybody like freaked out. I think it was no one. You're cor- absolutely correct. I think that was the thing that people responded to the most. 
I think part of that is people when you say anything, hmm. I think it fires people up. I, I, that was I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like there, again, there's uh, superheroes, fan, Mr. Fantastic, you know, Plastic Man, like there's literal characters that that's like this and everybody like lost their minds. You're, you're was, doubling down on this. That's good. Yes. Why wouldn't I? I think part of it was, at least from my perspective, the inappropriate nature. That's where my my mind went first. Yeah, that's more you. about me. Yeah, that's it's more about you guys. <laughs> that's what that's what everybody thought listening to that. Though. I'm an innocent in this in this situation. That's only you're never innocent. I I can't let you have that. But <laughs> that does say more about the people who thought inappropriate thoughts when you said you wanted to enlarge any part of your body as a superpower. Like you what that sentence, Tony, you know full well. Oh, he knew what he was doing. He always knows what he's doing. All I, all I wanted to do was be able to grow to six one like Jason. Mine was just different. No. <laughs> On that note, Jeez. welcome to the Sports Adjacent Podcast. And we're gonna start it differently later. That voice that you heard that you guys love to hear, you, you love the clips, you love the foolishness, you love the, the just outlandish nature of his entire persona, Tony Gill running our boards. Uh, He's the best. Uh, my partner in crime, Jason Leisure, at his lovely home. Yeah. And I am Russ Dorsey, here for another episode of Sports Adjacent. No, 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 no. You got it wrong, Russ. It's uh, it's the Tony Gill Show hosted by Jason Leisure and Russ Dorsey. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Depending on who you ask. All we are is just a vehicle for people to get oh, more Tony. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, this is no longer. I told you, Tony is on like 50 podcasts. I know. And he just hijacks one at a time. Yeah. And so he comes off of this, oh, let's, I just want to produce quality sound. You know, I just want to be the best producer I can possibly be. And, you know, I want to help you guys grow. I want your platform to grow. Meanwhile, <laughs> he's in the back of his mind. He's like, no, nah, I'm taking this joint over too. You know what? I For all young and up, up and coming media people, like take notes. All right. Like, oh, geez. Every <laughs> platform to your the, the professor. <laughs> Use every platform that you're allowed to be on with, with and accept it with grace and respect. And then you rock out. You just rock out. Like and and make sure you're getting paid. Yeah, that too. The most right. important part. Speaking of money, uh sports adjacent is brought to you by Obvious Shirts. Our buddies over there have been awesome to us. Great advertisers. Yeah. I was looking at some of their stuff today, Russ, because you can, you know, you got Father's Day, Mother's Day, all kinds of things coming up. They got a cool Blackhawks shirt that says two goals in 17 seconds. Tony, you're a big hockey fan. You know what that refers to, right? Yeah, yeah, as of uh, yesterday, yeah. <laughs> that's how they won the 2013 title. There's another one that says embarrassing. That's that's clever. It's got bear in the middle, like Chicago that's, Bears, that's and it's scary. in various colors. I, I, Pull up with an Avi shirt, man. Let's go. Pull up with an Avi. What? With an Avi. I, I showed up Avi shirts. Pull up with the Avi. Oh, speaking of the Avi, I spoke with Joe and we have pre-orders for sports adjacent shirts coming. Whoa. Possibly available by the time you hear this. Yeah, possibly available by the time you hear this. Um, Pre-orders for our shirts going up. I'm really excited. Jason's really excited about this. You guys are going to really like the shirts. And uh, yeah, keep supporting Avi shirts. Keep supporting Joe. Keep supporting the podcast. You guys have been awesome. 
the reviews are are rolling in by the day uh and and you guys have been really funny in those reviews too hey, so make sure by the way if you do hit up obvious shirts for sports adjacent shirts or the hawk shirt or the bear shirt that i mentioned you got to use the promo code adjacent 10 will get you 10 percent off which is a nice deal absolutely absolutely a nice deal uh, this is our seventh podcast and i think we've all tried to figure out how our you know how we're different today as a pod than that first pod that we did. And I think we've we've definitely hit our stride in the last couple of weeks of being able to bounce stuff off of each other, going in and out of topics. But also there's this outside part about, you know, sparking conversation with people because of something we or Tony says on the podcast. Right. <laughs> Usually Tony, so there's something we say on the podcast that has really sparked interest for people outside. So Mike, the question I, I was been thinking about today and I wanted to ask you guys is how have, I guess, you guys changed as the podcast has slowly started to grow or like what are things you've noticed um, as the podcast has started to grow? Gosh, I was so young back then, Russ. It was almost two months ago. I mean, <laughs> who can even remember what life was like back then? Well, I, I understand. I understand that. But like just even in the way people interact with you on Twitter because of something that's said on the pod, like, has that changed? I, I haven't had that. I, the most I get is people tweeting me about something Tony said. Have you found it to be different? Have you gotten a strong reaction on Twitter? I uh, mean, other than your friends that you made on Twitter. In in real life, it's, it's my life's changed in that way where I'll get text messages about something I say on the podcast. And so that's different. Like, I've never had to think about what i divulge on, on yeah are you getting are you getting a bunch of texts about the dates and that you talk about on here uh because i wonder how that's going over it's it's different like i've had a couple where it's like yo i heard your podcast and i just <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, if it starts that way if the sentence begins like that it's probably not a good one it's probably it's, not gonna be like i really liked the way you discussed my personal <laughs> life under thank you they haven't been it hasn't been bad it's been okay i think it's been that it's been the fact that like like tony said last week i have no problem being honest about my life um it's just i'm thinking about now like my mom listened to the podcast Right. That just occurred to you now. Because <laughs> right. I've been thinking about your mom listening to this podcast the whole time, Russ. Listen, man, I, at this point in life, like I'm this is me. And <laughs> my mom. My, listen, mom, I love you. But yeah, I, I think that it's that it's the being like people hearing the podcast that are in my life. And then people want to talk about things that I said on the podcast. Usually they're not bad. Yeah. But it's like, hey, you said this on the podcast where in for me, if I say something on the pod, it's just for the pod. Like, I don't want to talk about it in real life. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get excited by some of the comments that we get and from people we don't know right. on Twitter that are they want to know, well, what did Tony really say when he played the music last time over his comments? Or they send us funny responses to things that we talked about. And that's that's a sign to me that there's starting to be a, a community around the show and those people are going to make the show better. Those people are going to probably send us, if you start sending us funny tweets about the show, we'll read them. Cause I don't know if you noticed, but when Russ asked, you know, how things have changed since we started this podcast and he said, we're on episode seven, 
we're still kind of trying to figure this out. <laughs> so right. funny listener tweets could become a segment like that. Like, yeah, if you, in fact, if I see one by the end of this episode, we might start it. No, Tony's absolutely. good enough that he could whip something together. If you guys absolutely. want to chime in on stuff like this, we would love to do that. We would love to make this as interactive and, and, uh, and wide ranging as possible. What about you, Mr. Uh, breakout star of the podcast? Um, well, I mean, you guys are just getting here. I kind of been here. Oh, here we go. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, uh, I mean, I, for real, I've, I've been out here, man. This is, uh, these are my people. This is my market, baby. Let's go. How, how does your ego fit in the zoom screen? Even <laughs> right. This man, he gonna leave us behind. We got to find a new producer. Like, I've been here. The, the Tony Gill show. He going to start his oh. own pod. Uh, but I think, Tony, this is, this is what I think has changed for you since mm-hmm. we started. For everybody out there, when we talked with Tony after those first that first podcast we did, it was, listen, I want you guys to be, you know, it's it's your podcast. I want That's what to Tony said. This is, this is Tony Gill. Yeah. I want people to Tony said, leave me out of it. Like, Jason, Russ, you guys are the hosts. And I need right. you. Like it's it's about y'all and y'all have to carry this thing. And we took that to heart. But then as the weeks continue to go, mm-hmm. I think Tony's enjoyed the fact that you know he has a platform now where he can talk about things and we encourage him to go full Tony every at least for once a week. And I think you've enjoyed that, Tony. Like it's different from your other ventures, like. You like I said, you are on a lot of podcasts, but I think this space allows you more than your others to really be yourself and go full Tony. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good contribution, Tony. Thank you. That was great. When we want him to talk, he won't. When we want him to hold off for a second, he doesn't. He knows. He knows. He wants us to just. So he can come in and save the day. It's, it's all good. I'm, I'm he, just basking in it. So I, I appreciate it, guys. Really, thank you, thank you, thank you. He uh, has been the best. He has been exactly what I envisioned him being on the podcast. Actually, I need to check that because no, no, no one could have envisioned what Tony <laughs> has done to this podcast. But it, but I remember using the phrase to you and to Lawrence Holmes when we were talking about this, Russ, about that Tony could be a producer and be disruptive. Right to the show. And I felt like you and Lawrence both kind of looked at me funny. Like you weren't, you didn't totally see how that was going to fit, but now I, I don't know how you could miss it now because he's oh, been I, I, extremely I knew, disruptive. And I knew what you been, meant. It's been a I, fan favorite. I think the, the, yeah, it's, we would just use different words for it, but yeah. Well, producer is usually supposed to be on your helping you. Yeah. Producer is usually supposed to be the opposite of disruptive. Tony is, if we've learned anything, if the people have learned it, Tony is not any, just some ordinary producer. No, he's like the Russell Westbrook of producers. Like you can't get him to do what you want him to do. He's just going to do his own thing. That's what Tony is. But it's our podcast has benefited tremendously because of it. So Mr. Gill, we're not going to fire you this week. I know we threatened. I know we threatened the last couple of weeks. But we, and you know, it's one of the things where you, you just say stuff. We're not going to fire you, bro. You better be careful about that. He's going to start threatening to fire you. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, when I pay him. That's right. <laughs> fire exactly. Me. Yeah. Shout out to the fans. You know, they, they, they're the ones that do it. They're the ones that do it. Shout out to the fans. <laughs> what a guy. He means his fans specifically, not fans of the show. Yeah, he's like, oh, fans of the show, whatever. But the right. Tony Gill fans. Yeah. That's who it's all about. 
Russ, do you watch Atlanta? It's a great you show. Like you like that show? Does, does yeah. Tony, with his like extraneous thoughts at all, remind you of Lakeith Stanfield's character on there? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. you. No, it's it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Like he's got these crazy thoughts, these bizarre theories. Where but if anyone ever tries to call him on it, he could explain every step of why he mm-hmm. thinks that. No, that's definitely Tony. And <laughs> I think that's I think that's the part that I, I've enjoyed about Tony the most. It's not it's not like he's just throwing a rock out there and seeing who it hits and just watches the everything burn. Like he's gonna throw it out there. He's gonna tell you why he thinks it and why you should think it too. Yeah. That's what he's like in everyday life. That's what it's like having lunch with him is he he'll have this thought like, I think we'd be we'd all be better off without electricity. And you'll sit there and be like, what? And he'll then he'll explain to you the 18 reasons why he thinks that's true. Yeah. If you're gonna say by the end of it, you're kind of like, well, I, maybe he's got a point. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to say something, you got to be able to explain it. Like you got to take you through the steps. Like you give him the statement, you shock and awe. And then you lead them on the path of how you got to the ridiculous statement. And then by the time you get there, it doesn't seem that ridiculous, is it? And sometimes no, it does. Usually for you, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think uh, I think people have enjoyed learning Jason because I don't I think people know Jason as this grizzled veteran reporter uh, that covers the NFL and covers the Bears. Oh, but yeah. like and they get his fun side on Lawrence's show once a week, but the fact that he has his own platform now where he can get his jokes off that he waits all week to tell us. I think he's enjoyed that part. He's been, he's been more personable, like for, for the specifically because we all work in the Chicago market, like early on people hated Jason. Like, they did. I didn't even know that. What do you mean? Early on buck, people hated the book. I do think people hate Jason. And it's something I wanted to talk about. On <laughs> wow. The really? Not because they don't like you. I think it's the way you cover the team. And it's a podcast uh, topic that I want to have at some point. But, yeah, I don't think it's you. I just think you cover the team in a way that is exactly the way you should cover it. Honest. You don't hold back. You're you're fair, but you're going to tell the truth. And I don't think people expect when you came from Miami, I think people were just like, oh, new Bears, dude. But, like, you're different from – Pat, you're different from Potsy. You're different from Colleen King. You're different from Dan Weeder. You're different from uh, JJ when JJ was here and Hogue and all those guys. Like, you're different from those folks. And that might not rub everybody the right way, even though, like, you're doing a great job covering your beat. Oh, I appreciate that. I It also might be just that they hate me, though. Maybe. I was trying to give you some credit, <laughs> but it might be that, too. <laughs> I think I think it's just two different markets and we should get into this another time. Let's not do it today. I don't want to take away from all the uh, I, we're going to call this one the Tony episode. Right. I mean, although that'd be redundant since they're I'd all the Tony. Fine. I'd be fine. Yeah. When what we do, we do the description in the title for the episode. <laughs> this episode seven, the Tony episode. <laughs> Did you guys go to Chuck E. Cheese when you were kids? Uh, yes. just a normal part of your yes we had this thing uh in my area called odyssey fun world and it was like oh yeah i know that yeah the biggest best type of place in the world but yeah i've got chuck e cheese was the uh the place of choice at all the kids parties i thought all chuck e cheeses were closed a long time ago i thought they went bankrupt 
No, years no. ago. They actually only went bankrupt recently during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. There's one still open uh, on in like Orland. Now, there's a bunch of them open. Yeah, there's but- one down the street from my house, which would, would be where Tony was saying. Um, that's still open. But I know with Chuck E. Cheese around the country, like people just started to get into fights, like parents and <laughs> parties, and it, it wasn't it was not, it wasn't about the kids anymore. Like you got parents throwing cake across the room. It's bad. It they started right. serving alcohol there a few years ago too. I'm sure that's, that didn't help. That's one of the problems. That did. I also I also read that Chuck E. Cheese they were recycling the pizza. Where if you yes, didn't- that's one of the many Chuck E. Cheese controversies and lawsuits uh, that yeah. have come up over the years that they denied that, by the way, Russ, can you make a note of that for the legal department for the sports adjacent LLC legal department, please? Yeah, we will uh, make sure to file that. Chuck E. Cheese is on my mind because allegedly I and they denied it. it. Include their denial, denied. please. We don't have enough money to get sued uh, for anything. We, we barely got enough money to pay Tony. That's why we have to edit Tony so much. Right. Wait, should I not have said that? No, 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 you're good. Oh, but like the thing, that, the, the thing that you have to put the elevator music behind last week. That's why we need <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is a place where we should have been wearing masks way before the pandemic. You should have been wearing a mask every time you walked into Chuck E. Cheese. They're so gross. And you start to think about some of those places like the ball pit and oh all my that gosh. stuff. Oh my the- find a diaper or a band-aid in there. The reason I've been thinking about Chuck E. Cheese is because we got my- <laughs> <laughs> like you find a lot of stuff in the ball pit, man. I took my daughter there for her birthday last week, so it was the first time I'd probably been to a Chuck E. Cheese in at least ten years, or I mean, maybe more. The last time I can remember going was taking my little brother there when he was a kid. Um, I mean, that might be twenty years ago, but it was not as gross as I thought it would be. They took out the ball pit. They took out all the slides and tubes and everything, all the all the potential places you could catch disease in a Chuck E. Cheese. But also all, all the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of things in life work that way, Russ. Yes. Uh, but it I immediately was struck by it's like a casino for children. <laughs> everything. It, it sounds like a casino. It looks like a casino. And many I, I'd say about half the games there are skill related games. And half of them are like casino junior. Like see if you can see if you can land the, you know, it's like roulette. Like see if you can land it on the right thing to get eight tickets instead of four tickets. You start kids, you know, placing bets to get more tickets. And the next thing you know, they're at the horseshoe. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, I, I think Chuck E. Cheese, like. Is that is that something I do think it's something like it's dying. And I don't know if kids like where do kids go for birthday parties now? Like, is it more of you just have them at your house or um, you go kids still go skating? I know that was a, a big know. thing when I was young, like skating parties. I don't think my kids are that age yet, but my my daughter wanted to go somewhere like an arcade. And so I first was thinking of Dave and Buster's and places right. like that, which I've never even been to a Dave and Buster's, but I know what it is. And then I'd kind of worked my way down to, okay, the kids version of that is Chuck E. Cheese, I guess. But it's really, there's very few of the games are games. Most of them really seem to be more gambling related. You know what else is another thing they got rid of? Thank God they got rid of this, that animatronic band. Did you guys ever have nightmares about that when you were kids? Well, those are lit. What? Those things are freaky, man. What? Yeah, Russ, not- you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm not surprised that Tony liked them. That um, weird hairy yeah. purple guy. No, they would they they would look a little uh 
a little wild. I wasn't always a fan of them, but I'm also not a fan of a lot of things like that. Like, are you afraid of clowns too? I don't uh, like clowns. I don't like clowns. I'm not going. I wouldn't say afraid, but I don't want to. I don't want to be near one. Yes. What is wrong? You guys are actually not like the 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 enemies of fun. Tony, you you the the hills you die on. Are are things that most people say? Yeah, I'm probably not gonna die on that. <laughs> like the clowns thing is a regular thing. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't think a ton of people love clowns. Like I'm not like if one came in here right now, I you know I wouldn't be the thrilled, but I'm not gonna like, pass out. <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy <laughs> oh, sitting next yeah. to one. You're this isn't nobody's gonna be on your side on this, Tony. Nobody's gonna be like, they oh, thank, thank goodness, Tony finally took up the cause of clowns. They exist for this long for a reason. Somebody likes clowns. No, I don't think that's the way it works, Tony. I think people that don't like clowns are just more vocal. They're they're a loud minority. I think the majority. <laughs> otherwise, we would have had clowns up out of here a long time ago. The anti-clown segment <laughs> the anti-clown of population movie. is a vocal <laughs> minority, huh? Okay. Where, well, you you say they still exist? Like they've lasted this long? Where do you even find clowns now? I don't think uh, you're right. You don't just walk into Target and there's a clown at the register. No. Where are there I mean, clowns? Like, yeah, think about it. When we were kids, Tony, like you used to have clowns at birthday parties. Yeah, you'd hire one. You don't anymore. No, who would do that? I mean, you would only do that as a joke now. Kids parties, though. How would you know that? Well, Jason has has kids that are in that age range, so I don't know what no, parents do. I've seen princesses. People will come dressed up as Elsa and Anna or something like that, but nobody's nobody has a clown at their party. If I'd I, fight a clown. I'm at looking up for how party. well the clown. <laughs> just for sport, just for fun. Just for fun. All right, clown. You know why I'm here. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, Tony. I don't. I'm not. Nah, I'm not. I'm not. Are right you right. a clown? Dot com. Or maybe I should bleep that out. I'll bleep that out later. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can literally. Man, it's, it's cl- clowns are still out here. Ding dong, the clown. Four stars. Stop. Stop, stop reading clown names. Ding dong. <laughs> you're not. No one's hiring. Well, I, I wish that person the best, but I'm not hiring someone named Ding Dong. I'm not hiring no dude named Ding Dong Clown for no kids. On it, D Clown, Melody, the singing You're, clown. Y'all, y'all tripping, tripping. What did you Google? Clown's what did you Google me. to find this, Tony? What did I, you type in? Order a clown. Okay. You're going to end up getting some results you don't like, I think. Yeah, I don't. Oh, you know what? I think the clown movement started to die and people like Tony had become more extinct when the movie uh, It came out. Where you have the is that with the little kids? evil clown that eats kids? Yeah, with like the little balloon Pennyworth or something. Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah, there you go. Um, I think that's when people were like, yeah, we need to get clowns up out of here. I bro. say clowns have been more popular because of Pennywise and the Joker. Because of evil, menacing criminal clowns that yeah, eat children? People- you think that has increased clowns' popularities? Yeah, yeah. People. How do, you, how do you think that, Tony? How do you possibly think that? Well, one, the popularity of those characters. Because even though they may be scary, the intrigue about clowns has increased, in my opinion. Um, (laughs) I don't think clowns are going anywhere, guys. I'm I'm really like I'm going to talk with a bone on this. I got this. Here's here's one more reason that you're wrong, Tony. So like circuses, like Ringling Brothers. That doesn't exist. They don't they don't have those anymore. Oh, uh, I beg to differ, sir. Have you been to the Universal Soul Circus? Listen, I know Universal Soul Circus. I was going to get there. Is that like Cirque du Soleil? No. Those aren't clowns. uh, It's the Black People's Circus, bro. Oh, okay. And so (laughs) I didn't know a better way to explain it. All right. 
I'm going to have to Tony, look that Tony up. agrees and he's laughing. So yeah, he's Tony like, immediately knew what you meant. You said the words black people circus and Tony was like, yeah, that's it. But there's not that many, like it's not everywhere. So it's like those, like you can used to go to Ringling Brothers for like um, field trips at school. Like you yeah. I don't even know if kids go on field trips anymore. So I know that that that's dying, Tony. What man, we pulling up to Universal Soul Circus every year. We've been going every year. It's lit. I know Universal Circus is lit, bro. Like I know it is, but I'm just saying they, and they got clowns. Yeah, but they can't support the world movement of clowns by themselves. Like there are other circuses that used to be around that aren't anymore. So that, that's not due to the clowns. <sighs> I'm I'm gonna fold on this one and just let this go because yeah, I think that's Tony, your best move. Yeah, yeah, let it be. <laughs> Did you ever find it funny that Chuck E. Cheese mascot is a rat? That that doesn't seem like the best mascot for a restaurant. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. That's the last thing I ever want to see in a restaurant. I Man. walked out of the Chuck E. Cheese thinking about a lot of things, like really re-examining everything that led me to walk in there in the first place, and that was one of them. Um, I also was thinking about how it's gambling for kids. I, and then I was like, I would love to see all the lawsuits that have been filed against Chuck E. Cheese over the years. And I found some, if you'd like to hear them. Yes, please. So this is a recent one. This is, I believe within the last two years, a woman in Portland sued Chuck E. Cheese for a thousand bucks, which seems low. If you're going after Chuck E. Cheese, a thousand bucks, cause she got her hair stuck in a ticket counting machine. It was stuck for two stuck in this thing for 20 minutes. Her hair was that sounds it's funny, but it also sounds horrible. That sounds horrifying to get your hair caught in a machine like that. My question is how? I think that's the question that the uh, that the courts have as well. But yes, <laughs> um, I, when I walked out of there thinking it was gambling, it turns out someone else has thought that too. a San Diego woman sued Chuck E. Cheese for five million dollars for promoting gambling to kids. She I never I, I couldn't find out dollars. if that how that was resolved ever. What'd you say? She sued for five million dollars. Five million bucks, man. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, another a family in Texas sued them for one million dollars because the headset for a game was too heavy and injured their child. And a, this is like the most obvious one. I, f- I feel like this must happen once a week uh, back when they had their mascots in there. A St. Louis woman, a St. Louis woman sued them because one of the mascots groped her. Yeah, I would sue for that, too. Yeah, definitely. But that (laughs) led me also to look up different Chuck E. Cheese controversies. And one of the ones was what Tony said. They were accused of this isn't a good situation if you have to defend this. They were accused of reserving uneaten pizza as like part of the next pizza. So you could order a pizza at Chuck E. Cheese and half of it kind of looks different than the other half. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's terrible, man. How are you going to run a business like that? Allegedly. And then, like, they're so proud of their pizza that they changed their name to sell under Pasquale's Pizza and Wings on Uber Eats during the pandemic because they know they know nobody's ordering the pizza from Chuck E. Cheese if that's all they're getting. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a reason Chuck E. Cheese's are dying and, and Dave and Buster's is doing better because. Yeah, I, I think that's one where our generation missed. Like we didn't notice how bad Chuck E. Cheese were. We were just happy to have the ball pit in the slide. We didn't have iPhones and stuff back then, man. We had a much lower threshold for what was cool back then. Uh, this segment is called We Alienate Another Potential Future Sponsor. Um, <laughs> Our Chuck E. Cheese sponsorship just went out the window. On top of all the other controversies, they also have uh, 
they also there's all, always like millions there's all, all these rumors and theories about the animatronic band which the all of the every single one of those characters with their dead eyes freaks me out but uh i randomly came across that they recently did a nick cage recently did a movie about something like this where he is like from what i could tell from the trailer he's trapped in a uh, uh, imitation Chuck E. Cheese, like a small town uh, knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese, and all of the animatronics turn on him and they're like, they're murderous. Like he has to spend the night trying to survive these eight animatronics that are trying to kill him. And I thought this would be a perfect time for one of my favorite things to do on the podcast, which is to have Tony read something. And the reason that this is funny to me, the reason I enjoy Tony reading is because, Russ, you know, Tony is. Tony is the voice of Chicago sports commercials on TV. Correct. He is, he is a premier narrator. He is a professional. What, what would it be? Tony vocalist. Like Tony's reading skills. He's so good. He reads, he, he like the way he delivers a script is yeah. top, yeah. top notch. You could do great voiceover work. You have done great, great voiceover work. So I love that we have that at our disposal, Russ, and we can use it to read nonsense words. I'm all for it. So I want Tony, the, the Nick, the Nick Cage movie that I read about or, or saw uh, the trailer of rather is uh, it's called Willie's Wonderland. And then I went and read the plot of it. And I, I sent Tony a, uh, a paragraph of it that I'd like him to read. And now Tony Gill reads. <clears throat> this is Tony Gill reading <laughs> come on guys come on. this is very important the restaurant's now withered eight animatronic mascots Willie Weasel Artie Alligator Cammy Chameleon Ozzy Ostrich Tito Turtle Nighty Knight that's original Gus Gorilla Cyrene Sarah are revealed to be alive and aggressive <laughs> Ozzy Ostrich alive and aggressive Attacks the janitor, who beats Ozzy to death with a mop. Meantime, Liv and her friends arrive at Willie's Wonderland, dousing the perimeter with gasoline until Liv decides to enter through the vents to get the janitor out. Inside, the janitor is attacked by Gus Gorilla in the restrooms. He kills Gus by curb stomping his face into a urinal. <laughs> I don't think I said that word right. Into a urinal. There we go. Here, deliver the line again. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Inside, the janitor is attacked by Gus Gorilla in the restrooms. He kills Gus by curb stomping his face into a urinal. Bravo. Very well done, Tony. Is that a movie you'd watch, Russ? Only because, so my friends and I, during the pandemic, it's actually really cool. Each, every weekend while we were in quarantine, we'd watch a different scary movie because it was something we did in college. So it's a way to get everybody back together. And that sounds like uh, we usually watch like really great horror movies, but that would be sound like one of the ones we throw into the mix. Just have you like. have you ever watched one where Nick Cage plays a janitor and curb stomps a animatronic evil monster on a urinal? Not yet. So here we go. A new genre <laughs> for you. No, we're def I'll definitely give you the, the full review next. Yeah, I want to hear that. What did that movie get on Rotten Tomatoes, Tony? Can you look that up? Oh, this is real. This is a real. What is, you thought I wrote that? I thought this was like a no, 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 no. Uh, Nick Cage's movie. 
No, no, no. He's in a, this, I, this was the reason I found out about it was because I got an email from Redbox saying that this was now available. And I was like, what, who's been waiting for this? And you look it up and it's this movie called Willie's Wonderland where Nick Cage plays a janitor and all the evil robot animatronic characters turn on him. What did the, this must have got like a 10% or something, maybe worse. Uh, it got a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. From the critics? 62%? 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. Also, as far as I could, that's that's about 59% higher than I thought it would do. Also, I, I, I saw that Nick Cage doesn't speak in the entire movie. This movie just came out. Yeah. Tony, that's what I'm telling you. I just I got an email about it from Redbox like last week. You get an email from Redbox? Redbox is still a thing? Uh, I don't remember the last time I rented at a Redbox, but let's not eliminate another potential sponsor off the list today. You you guys want to partner up with these dying businesses? Don't no no no, don't say you guys. I'm a forward thinker, Tony. It's our uh it's my partner in crime here that wants to have out of business you, sponsorships. You're not you're not turning down anybody's money. You're not turning down Blockbuster's money at this point. <laughs> Listen, if they write the check and hit me, they Exactly. <laughs> hey, this is Jason Leisure. No matter which Chicago team you love most, Obvious Shirts has smart, funny, high-quality shirts that look great. Spring is the perfect time to pick one out. Baseball season is underway. You've got Mother's Day and Father's Day coming up. And regardless of all that, it's finally T-shirt season after all these months of being inside, wearing hoodies and sweaters. That's why you need to hit up Obvious Shirts. It's Chicago-owned and operated since 2015. Obvious Shirts is for fans by fans. Like I said, they have something for every team in town. My favorite one is the Baseball Needs More Tim Anderson's White Sox shirt. That one's cool, but you can pick out plenty of other ones. Bulls, Cubs, Illinois. They have tons of different options on there. Their unique and creative designs are going to make you stand out. Go to ObviousShirts.com and use promo code ADJACENT10. If you don't know how to spell adjacent, this is a really good time for you to learn. I'll spell it for you right now. A-D-J-A-C-E-N-T. And then add the number 10 at the end of that. It's all one word, ADJACENT10 to receive 10% off next time you order at ObviousShirts.com. You should go get one right now. Obvious Shirts, words on shirts. Russ, I've been so excited about our guest. This is the first guest in the history of our podcast. Are you on board with this? Are you look, you've been eager to get a new voice on here? I know you were excited to get our guest on for like the last two months. And so, so I'm excited that you're excited. And I know our guest is excited to be here. I've I've seen his work oh, a lot of places, and I know you sent me um, some of his work. And I'm it's called. I'm gonna say I'm curious. Probably. I'm I'm curious about. Okay. But I'm I'm glad he's here. I'm very glad. All he's right. Here. All right. So that's a kind of a tepid uh, enthusiasm there by Russ. <laughs> uh, Tony had to step away. Our producer Tony Gill had to step away, but he might be able to jump in on this. Peter McIndoe from Birds Aren't Real. Welcome to Sports Adjacent. We're so glad to have you. How are you? So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm doing wonderfully today. Thank you for taking time away from, I guess, how would you put it? Trying to save America. Yeah, um, trying to save the world, um, to, 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 to put it lightly. You know, trying to awaken um, this, blind, this blind country. It's what I do day in and day out every day. Peter is the leader of Birds Aren't Real. It's a real movement. You can find it on the internet. We are not the first 
media outlet to discover Peter McIndoe and birds aren't real Russ. Uh, you said that you were in Arkansas. You probably can't be more specific than that for security reasons. I would assume we're based in Chicago. And so we're spring is starting now. Spring is kind of underway. Uh, you're hearing a lot of birds. You're seeing a lot of birds and everybody is very excited about that. Oh, okay. The birds are back. It's spring. Uh, not so fast, right? What do they need to know as you're seeing more and more birds pop up outside your window right now in Chicago? Well, you know, the sad thing is, Jason, we live in a very uh, brainwashed country. Um, we live in a society that is fundamentally uh, pro-bird. You know, all of our uh, children are raised um, with no other truth presented to them than bird realism. Um, so, you know, what we have then is a very sad society that doesn't uh, question anything, doesn't question where the birds have been or uh, why they're coming back doesn't question if uh, the entire um, concept of migration even makes sense. It does not. Um, and uh, what we have is, yeah, people celebrating the return of uh, institutionalized government surveillance. Um, do Wait. they know they're doing this? Of course not. Um, which is which is the entire uh, problem. So, um, you know, what I what I would let let people know is, you know, surveillance there's kind of these, uh, we call it seasonal surveillance over here at the movement. Um, you know, the, 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 the most surveilled times are the spring and the summer. Um, so you need to know that whatever you're doing is now, you know, being, being watched way, way more heavily uh, to, to be aware of that. Peter, I, this is, you know, I, you said a lot there. And so for our, our <laughs> listeners who, our, our listeners who are, curious about you you and your movement i think my first question for you is what made you decide to start birds aren't real because you, you seem like a bright guy and, and you're well spoken and you could do a lot of different things so what made you join start this cause you know uh i would say that i didn't even choose to do this the light found me right um, i uh i am not even uh, you know, the founder of Birds Aren't Real, actually, um, I uh, was uh, approached by the actual organization. The Birds Aren't Real movement began in 1976, which is something that a lot of people don't know. It's had somewhat of a rebirth uh, in the Internet era um, as of uh, the past few years. But originally was a, a movement started by people who were aware of what the government was doing, which was a 50 year process of um, killing every living bird in existence and replacing them with surveillance drones. Um, I think the exact dates were from 1959 through 2001. So in the late 70s, um, there was uh, kind of two groups of activists, some anti surveillance activists and some animal rights activists who came together figured out through different leaks by whistleblowers um, within the government that this was happening and got together to stop it, um, started a movement called Birds Are Real. So the uh, initial movement had a preventative focus, wanting to prevent this from happening, you know, walking around with signs saying by 2001 in 20 years, all the birds will be surveillance drones. Uh, They're heavily censored, called crazy at the time. And uh, the movement was forgotten until its reemergence when I was approached um, by some of the original members of the movement um, a few years ago who asked, you know, hey, let's bring this back no longer as a preventative effort, um, but more so for awareness, letting people know what's happened. So, you know, it's something that I, uh, you know, it, it, it is my life. And, you know, I remember what it was like inside the Matrix 
um, not knowing the truth, um, you know, and uh, ignorance truly is bliss. There's times when I wish I had never even heard about this because um, I would I would be a lot happier. You know, yeah, I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown, Peter. Very heavy. I have neck pain. It's something that I struggle with all the time. I have to go to the chiropractor. And, you know, it's something that I am, I can see no other purpose in my life, but being a bird further and spreading this. Um, but also it is a heavy burden to carry. Russ, yeah. that's more passion than I've ever heard you use to describe your job covering the Chicago Cubs or probably any person ever describing their job for that matter. Mm-hmm. Peter, were you convinced right away or did you have to see some proof or were there some signs that can, that tipped you off to the fact some, some red flags I mean, to say, maybe this is right. Maybe birds aren't real. It's a great question, Jason. I, uh, you know, it's something about me. I don't speak about anything I could not prove in a court of law. I don't speak about anything I don't know to be 100% factual. Um, So I have been shown lots of evidence. I've been shown confidential documents, leaked emails, um, old tapes, old evidence of the past movements um, from people who have been involved directly, but it did take some time. You know, I, I'd always questioned that I always wondered, you know, why is only one side of the argument um, being shown to our society? You know, the birds are real my whole life. You know, you're you're born into this world. And, you know, if you don't ask your own questions, you would think that that is uh, the only possibility, you know. Um, but it, I, it, 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 it took a bit of convincing for me at first. But once I saw the evidence, it was just so overwhelming. Uh, there was no other no other answer there. Now, Peter, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and like you said earlier, like I, I do think we have a lot of naive people that live in our country. I think that's, that's true of some of the things we've seen over the years. Um, but here's my question to you. You, know, you have you, you've spoken about evidence. You've spoken about, you know, being able to prove things. And J- Jason and I are, you know, professional reporters. We do it for a living where, you know, you have to have the proof, the evidence first before you report, obviously. Um, so for, for people in the public who do want this evidence, obviously you got the confidential information and you, you know, were able to see documents and things like that, but how can people on the outside who aren't as closely connected as you be able to see this evidence for themselves? Yeah. Are there signs in everyday life rather than people just having to trust your word for it? There are a lot of signs in everyday life, you know, and as on top of that, we have a lot of information on our website, birdsaren'treal.com. Um, that, uh, that shares a lot of the, of the emails and info. But I mean, as for the proof in life around us, you know, this is one of the things that woke me up. One of the things that got me personally bird pilled um, was uh, looking at uh, power lines around my, around my city, around my town growing up. When I was young, I don't know if you guys are kite guys. I used to fly a lot of kites and uh, was with my, my friend Scotty back when I was gr- growing up in, in Cincinnati. Um, his kite got stuck up in the power lines and pretty traumatizing moment for me as a child. He tried to go up and get it, got shocked, uh, actually oh, died. Wow. Oh, um, it's tragic. Very tragic. So, you know, on the way to his funeral, I'm looking out the window of the car. Wait, he died. Driving. He died. He literally died. Scotty Lowry. He, uh, he en- ended up, um, yeah, getting electrocuted voltage, just riddled his body. And, uh, as I'm in the car on the way to, to little Scotty's funeral, I'm looking up at the power lines and seeing these other organic beings seemingly sitting on the power lines in mass everywhere. I look birds, right? So I'm looking around seeing this thinking to myself, this doesn't (laughs) add up. 
this doesn't add up. Right. How are birds able to sit on power lines without being shocked? But human beings, if they if they tap those things, they're kaput. And uh, that started my awakening uh, process where I eventually now know the obvious truth, which is the birds are drones and they're charging on power lines. Power lines are public charging stations. Um, so, I mean, there's there's plenty of evidence all around us. if We just open our eyes to see it. That was dark. Very. Dang. I didn't expect to go there. I, and I'm sorry yeah. to hear about your friend, Peter. Like that's that's uh that sucks. Thank you, Russ. It is devastating, um, you know. But it's something I sometimes you know look up in the sky and say thank you, Scotty, um, uh, for for starting my awakening process. I know he's smiling down at me, and uh, and knows I'm actually um, I don't know if you guys are spiritual people, but uh, in kind of constant communication with uh, those from beyond the grave, uh, the founding fathers visit me frequently uh, in my dreams. Oh. and beg me to bring this country back. They beg me. They say, Peter, please, please, please. You know, uh, we, we had this vision for a free country that's not surveilled. And now it's just bl- the skies are cloaked, blanketed um, by so much bird surveillance. You can barely see the sun. Uh, you know, and I tell people, you don't know what it's like having Benjamin Franklin on his knees in front of you, you know, pleading oh. and begging with you uh, no, to please br- no, bring the country I back. Know. I don't know if we we need to have that imaging, uh, but another I, kite I, enthusiast, we'll, though, we'll take your, your word for it there. Um, so, Peter, this, this is my thing. So my question, how, how old are you, Peter, for our listeners out there? I am. I'm 22 years old. So, OK, years old, 22 years young, very, very young guy. I'm 26, so not that much older than you. And, and, and so I, I guess for a lot of people out there, you you have your entire life ahead of you but like why this like why hit your wagon to this cause when you could be you know saving the universe saving the world in other ways whether it's environmental causes which is technically something that you're kind of doing it in a way but like why this one out of all the things you could be doing well this is you know when you're shown such a massive crime you're almost given no other option um, than to tell everyone you know about it. You know, it's kind of like if you if you were one of the few chosen to be shown the light of one of the most massive crisis scandals of uh, in the history of animal rights, in the history of our country, of surveillance issues, um, I have no other option. You know, I, I even if I wanted to go and dedicate my life to something else, I mean, there's no other no other option for me than to be a bird truther through and through. Although I do, you know, frequently donate to other other causes such as envir- such as environmental causes. Um, you know, there's a massive climate crisis happening, and that should totally be paid attention to. So I'm not an I'm not a, a bird truther absolutist by any means. I definitely recognize the other problems, but this is a problem I don't see anyone else standing up for and championing the cause. And someone's someone's got to do it. You know. He saw a need and he filled it, Russ. Uh, Peter McIndoo from Birds Aren't Real. Uh, Russ, Dorsey is not the first journalist to question you. We've seen quite a bit of that over the years. And most recently, Newsweek went after you. I don't know if you if this, this looked like maybe some gotcha journalism or some kind of hatchet yep. job. Um, they, did, uh, they did quote you, though, as calling this a comedy project. And is that was that a setup or... What happened here? Because you seem like this is the furthest thing from a comedy project. This is the most gravely serious thing I've ever encountered in my life. I mean, they quoted um, you is, saying it's a comedy project, though, Peter. So that, and that's the thing. 
big tech is out to get me. This was also uh, stated in the article. I have an autocorrect issue on my phone where whenever I write out very serious, real um, movements, uh, it'll often, Steve Jobs will pull a fast one on me and it'll often autocorrect to something like, you know, uh, a, a meta parody conspiracy movement. Oh, so um, you sent this in a text or an email? Any an email? That, okay, that all is, right. That, yeah, I never said this uh, vocally, um, and that's 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 important to note. You can't always trust, you know, what you see on the screen. Uh, it's best to just, um, you know, look at what somebody's saying face to face. So why, yeah, I mean, why is Newsweek trying to silence you? Why why did Newsweek, this massive media company, why are they coming after? Peter McIndoo out here telling the truth about birds aren't real. I think the answer to that is clear. Uh, the media is in bed with, with the government hardcore. You know, they're looking to silence uh, real uh, trutherism. Um, the people, those of us who are trying to get the truth out, Newsweek has run various articles about um, different bird related topics, uh, clearly showing their pro bird bias. Uh, multiple times. Um, and the one time that they uh, reach out to us, they could have just shared our truth without um, adulterating it, without cloaking it in madness. Um, but instead, they have to run a hit job piece on us, calling us a parody movement, saying that I'm some kind of satirist, some kind of comedian, um, which frankly is the most insulting thing I've ever I've ever heard. Um, quite understandably, a, I mean, imagine, if you're understandably. Trying, imagine if you're trying to say something that means the world to you is gravely serious and pe people are looking at you calling you a joke yeah you a clown saying you're hilarious it's ridiculous it's ridiculous Peter, yeah. I, I, first of all I, one we appreciate you coming on the pod and, and you're a friend of the show but as a member of the media i gotta push back on you here because if you're a, an average person and you're hearing what you're talking about if i'm at home i'm thinking this has to be a bit and not in a disrespectful way, but it, this sounds crazy, Peter. This sounds nuts. Well, mm. uh, well car, hold on, mm. hold on. Cards on the table. Are other people saying that, or are you? Are, is that what you're thinking, Russ? No, this is this. Jason, I, I understand you want to make our guests feel comfortable, and so do I. Because obviously, like I just said, he's a friend of the show, and he gave us his time. But I'm asking, like, this comes off a little comedy sketchish, you know? And I'm trying to just understand how you can show people that it's not when it sounds or it at least comes off that way. Peter, your response. Uh, comedy is, is subjective. I hope we live in a world uh, in the future. that's much brighter where if you say that birds are real, that is considered a comedic viewpoint. <laughs> um, uh, and all I can do is hope for the time being. I don't blame you. I used to be among the blind, but once you swallow the bird pill, it's impossible to see the world any different. Uh, not looking to swallow anything right now, Peter, but I, I, I guess I understand what, what you're trying to trying to say. I got a hey, real life question you. for you here, Peter. The other day I took my kids to Chuck E. Cheese. You're familiar with Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. Of course, so I took, of course. I took them there. We, they have a great time. We come out in the parking lot. There's nothing but water birds. There's gulls. There's uh, geese, no water anywhere in sight. All these birds are in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, is it electromagnetic waves from all the games at Chuck E. Cheese and it caused a malfunction? What, what's going on here? What, what, what would be your best guess at what happened in that scenario? 
my best guess is the while those were originally organic water birds before the government re- replaced them, they now uh, have no need to be around the water and sometimes can be misrooted, misdirected uh, by their AI programs. Um, and I think that that's just evidence to the fact that these birds that used to exist in a in a uh, organized, separated, um, in their own ecosystems, you know, around the water, the forest. Uh, there's no longer any need for that, but the government has to keep up these organized systems because um, it wouldn't make sense to people if all of a sudden it got mixed up. But this is just an example of the very frequent irregularities that are reported to us as a movement. These are actually happening all over the country. What other um, irregularities so- are you hearing about? Well, there's constant situations, you know, I will have uh, flamingos and ostriches um, follow me constantly. (laughs) Some of the some of the bigger birds. Uh, There's been several coordinated assassination attempts on my life um, where I'll just be walking down. Oh, yeah, I'll be walking down the street some days, spreading my flyers and I'll just turn. I'll hear I'll hear a sound like this behind me and I'll I'll turn around and it gets faster (laughs) and faster and faster. And it's an ostrich coming to take me out i've had to learn several different self-defense um in arkansas. You know, tactics um well I, I i stay on the move i um okay. actually i'm living i'm living in my van right now uh oh, just tra- tra- traveling around the country um always staying on the move you know i will uh see often if i ever see a nest around me i know there's an organized surveillance effort uh, tracking me specifically so if I, I i only stay i only stay somewhere uh long enough until i need a nest but it is the case that i am constantly my life is constantly at risk um hummingbirds are, are actually a very common um assassination drone uh using their their beaks to discreetly spear and um take down targets so i in the past, I've had to carry a tennis racket around with me for if I see a hummingbird coming for my throat, um, I can come around to whack it. Um, I've, you know, sent hummingbirds, uh, you know, soaring away from me at uh, insane speeds. So, I mean, yeah, the life of a prominent bird shrew, they're out in the public. You know, you have to you have to be aware and stay on your toes. You know, there's a lot of people that don't want to come out publicly as a bird shrew because they know their lives could be at risk. So it's a, it's a dangerous job. Peter, this is my last question for you. I, I know you just said that you're constantly on the move. You're living in your van, driving around the country, trying to get the word out as a bird truther. How do you support yourself? Like, it seems like you could be doing a whole a bunch of other things to where you could be making a lot more money and you wouldn't have to live in your van. Like, how do you support yourself in this effort? You know, money to me is something that's uh, only as important as I can survive. I know everyone on the, on this planet won't be here and 80 to 100 years. And um, as long as I can just make the world a better place before I depart this planet, that's all I'm about. To make money, I do different odd jobs. I'll clean rats out of basements or, you know, fix uh, fix different cabinets. Uh, I donate plasma, donate a lot of plasma wherever I go. My dream is to my dream is to open one of my own plasma shops one day. Um, that would be great. Uh, I donate more than I should, though. So my entire back um, is just like a purplish color. Um, I've been told I've been told I should see a doctor, but got to pay, got to pay those gas bills somehow for the van. So um, I, I, I make ends meet. I make ends meet. And, uh, you know, as long as I'm spreading the feathered gospel, that's all that matters. Peter, can we ask you about a few sports stories real quick? Well, sure. The, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. The Utah Jazz team plane hit, had to turn mm-hmm. around because it hit a flock of birds 
Uh, mm. Best theory as to what's going on there. Oh, I don't, I don't have a theory. I know exactly what happened there. Um, uh, I don't know if you're aware. Memphis is where the birds aren't real movements uh, was essentially re, re, rebirthed in 2016, 2017. Um, that's where I was stationed for a while. I went on the local news there. We put up billboards in Memphis. There's a very prominent uh, bird through their base in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, they're on the way to uh, play with the Grizzlies. And just so happens, um, a few of, the, of their players um, were going to come and meet with some bird shrewders I know oh, really? in the city. Um, so what what happens when a prominent NBA team is about to go maybe be converted face-to-face? Oh, a flock of birds just mysteriously hits the plane as they're traveling to the uh, birthplace of the movement that was brought back in uh, that city. I just think that's uh, clearly not a coincidence. Um, clear that if, if it was some other city that wasn't such a an active bird further hub, that would not have happened. Russ, so, you're, laughing. you're laughing, but you're laughing because it's airtight. I'm laughing because our, our buddy Peter is such a, a great, you know, like he he tells very convincing stories and it's just the style in which he tells them makes me laugh. But I'm not laughing at the information. It's not that at all. It might be your subconscious erupting in joy um, that that, uh, 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 you know, spills over into laughter that, you know, there's a, an alternate truth that maybe your subconscious brain knows to be knows to be the facts. You might be converted. Uh, man. You might just be throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. Peter, yeah, maybe. Uh, there was a lot of coverage uh, last month too. people were writing about the 20th anniversary of, I don't know if you saw this, but Randy Johnson, the former baseball pitcher hit mm-hmm. a bird with a pitch during spring training. Are you familiar with this story from 20 years ago? Of course. Of course. Yes, of course. So again, I mean, why, why would that have, I don't understand why something like that would happen. What would be the point of a bird trying to get in the way of a pitch in a major league baseball game? That's a good question. Uh, do you know what, what year that happened in? Uh, 2001, I believe it would have it was 20 years ago, I think. 2001. Uh, earlier, I was talking about the, the, the last year that birds were living when the government finished their program of killing off all the real birds and replacing them with drones. Uh, the year I stated earlier in this interview was 2001, which is the, the facts. It went from 1959 through 2001. And uh, if you're aware of uh, kind of primal ancient uh, sacrifice ceremonies. I'm not uh, surprisingly, it, you know, in, in different primal civilizations, the Aztecs, the Romans, there would be uh, different uh, sacrifices made, and you know, whether it be a lamb or something. Um, and it was important that there was an, an audience, a public audience, when that sacrifice was made as part of the ritual. Um, the our government is filled with ornithophiles. Um, and uh, people who, who not only love birds, are obsessed with birds. Uh, we see evidence of this uh, at Bohemian Grove with Moloch, the owl god. Um, that what we saw what? Um, in 2001 with him hitting the bird with that baseball was that was one of the last birds uh, to be killed off. And they didn't want to do it through the uh, toxic viruses that they were spreading through crop dusting planes uh, during those 40 years. They wanted to do it in a way that was public uh, in a stadium of people. Um, you know, but how do they do that with, with a general public that's not aware of what's going on? Um, uh, they had to, uh, they had to kind of slip it in there, uh, have a hidden public sacrifice in an auditorium of people as one of the grand finale kills 
in uh, the, the the massive uh, bird bird from bird murder plot. So um, pretty pretty disturbing stuff. That's uh, that's extreme. Um, I'm not even sure how to respond to that exactly. I think that yeah, might be a is- good a good place to 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 let 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 it marinate for our listeners and let Peter get back to you know spreading the word as as a bird truther. Peter, I think that I, uh, I think that maybe there are a lot of things people don't understand about you. Why don't you uh, one last question here to wrap it up? Why don't you tell people if there's one thing you'd like to clear up or make sure that people take away from this interview, what would it be? One thing that people take away from, from this interview, um, I would say, uh, leave it, leave it simple. Um, if it flies, it spies. And, uh, <laughs> as long as you can remember that, uh, you'll be living a good life. Peter McIndoe of birds aren't real. Thank you very much for, for educating us and our listeners. Um, this has been extremely informative and helpful and we appreciate it. Thanks, Peter. Thank you both for having me. Hope you have a great rest of your day. There were a lot of times during that where you seemed happy, but I, and you were laughing, but I couldn't tell in the end, if somebody asked me, did Russ like that interview? I'd have to say, I don't know. That's exactly how I felt about it. (laughs) 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 Because for everybody out there, like I, I told you when we were talking with Peter before we introed him, Jason has wanted this dude on the podcast for since we started the podcast he was like you gotta you gotta trust me you gotta trust me i'm like jason this doesn't seem like our demo he's like trust me man like this will be great and every time i asked jason before we get him on there like is this is this a bit (laughs) he would always follow with that's a great question to ask we had this conversation five times five times russ asking me is this a bit or is this guy serious jason but he was, and he would never answer, which would make me mad on the phone. I'm like, Jason, <laughs> tell me. You have to tell me this. Because I don't want to have this dude on here and me thinking it's real and me calling him an idiot for 25 minutes. Like, I didn't want that. <laughs> I wanted, if it was a bit, like, I wanted to play it up a little bit. But I still never got that answer. You're still not, even after interviewing him for 20 minutes, you're not sure. I'm still not sure. I, I, I'm, leaning, <laughs> I'm leaning bit, but. You know, he's very passionate about it. Like, he's playing it up. You seemed at many points concerned about his well-being, about Peter McIndoe's well-being. Like, you were, Peter, you're a smart guy. You could get a job. You'd be okay, man. Yeah, I, just because he was talking to us from in front of some trees doesn't mean he's living in the, although he did say he's living in his van. That's a problem. This man said he was. Is that a red flag for you, Russ? So serious. And <laughs> the thing about all the people that you know that live, have lived in vans and tell me if you weren't concerned. <laughs> I, I think the list is Peter McIndoe, and then that's it. That's, <laughs> that's the list. It. I don't. I don't have a good reference point for a bunch of people I know that have lived in vans. I, I'm concerned for Peter because you know that living in your van life, when he could be doing anything. He he said he was in. A, in he cared about the environment. He sure. could go be a public speaker talking about saving the earth and all that, but. This seemed like an odd, like it seemed Tony Gill like as a hill to die on for him. Like he seemed like he was willing to risk his all for birds aren't real. Oh, he clearly has. Tony, it's unfortunate that Tony had to step out during that interview because 
this this interview would have been in Tony's wheelhouse. Tony, did you were you listening to any of it or what did you think? Uh, well, this is my second experience with uh, Birds Aren't Real guy. And uh, again, the more I hear it, the more it seems not that ridiculous. Like, I mean, if if there was a governmental spying program, wouldn't birds be the perfect things to use, though? Well, no, it would be iPhones, but go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. I mean, if, if it was more subtle, like we're already on to iPhones. But how many iPhones is pretty subtle. Like they could, we were all convinced that we had to have it and we wanted it so badly. We begged the government to surveil us with iPhones. But who's thinking about birds though? (laughs) Like they just like right in front of your window while you're sleeping. Tony, I'm no, we're not doing this. I'm not. I will say, hey, out my kitchen window, Russ. Seriously, this is no joke. There you go. Because I'm planting grass out there. I'm trying to get some grass to grow in the side yard. So I've paid attention to whether there's birds out there. There hadn't been birds out there for months. The next day, because we pre-recorded the Peter McIndoe interview, the next day after we talked to him, three birds in the front yard. I mean, in the side yard. Explain that. I Listen, I'm not doing this. I see. Look at I, y'all can't see, but Tony is just looking like, yeah, Russ, how do you explain that? <laughs> like, right, exactly. I'm not on trial here because you and Peter McIndoe and Tony believe this cockamamie idea that birds are somehow spying on us here in the United States. I'm not doing it. I think that it would have been great to have Tony in there because it would have been a perfect audience for Peter where I'm on board. I'm in birds. The, the birds are actually robots. They're on the power lines for charging stations. That all clicks in my brain perfectly. And you're more like Peter would call sheeple that just believe whatever everyone else believes. No need to be concerned about these birds watching our every move. And I think Tony would have been, you know, right there for the taking either way. No, Tony could have been not for the taking Tony, you know, what side Tony's on and it's the ridiculous side. <laughs> oh, Speaking of ridiculous sides. Here we go. Now it's time for a Chicago Bears segment. We call this is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. Everything's fine. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. It's actually been, I think, four years since a bird team won one of the four major pro sports championships, by the way, Russ. Uh, This is when we stop everything in the show. We just bring it all to a complete halt and deliver an important update on the Chicago Bears. Russ, before we start, everything's fine. It's okay. You ever, do you ever call someone? And uh, like, if I call my wife, sometimes I might be like, before I tell her what happened, you know, if, if one of the kids got hurt or something, I'll tell her up front, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But one of the kids fell off the swing or whatever. When I, so, uh, when I, when I tore my Achilles, my freshman year of college. So I had to call my parents and tell them cause I was playing basketball. Yeah. And uh, it might be 1130 at night. Call my parents. I said, are your mom in the same room? I call my dad. He's like, yeah, why? I said, listen, uh, don't get upset. <laughs> Everything's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. I just popped my Achilles playing basketball. <laughs> uh, Everything well, was not fine. Well, this is similar, Russ. Are you are you are you in a good place to hear this? I yes, mean, not sir. that you need to be, because everything's fine uh, with the Bears. The NFL draft is next week. The only first round pick of Ryan Pace's time with the Bears that's still on the roster is Roquan Smith. It's uh, 
How was that fine? <laughs> Man, that's the point of the segment, Tony. <laughs> So one of the last things I want to get to today on the pod is a, a lovely segment that we call Ask an Old Person. And now it's time for Ask an Old Person. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? I love the young people. You are the young age of 36 years old. 37. 37 up oh, man years are going by father yep. by the time i think i was 36 when we started this podcast for us way back then man i mean when you think of ways your life has changed i'm telling you man like this thing is flying like we're gonna be on episode 100 in no time but when you're 37 you don't think two months is a long time i'm glad you can still think of 37 like these um i know it you know at, at your this point in your life you're not as you learned last week, um, using your hands. But the question I, I wanted to ask you is, when was the last time that you got into a physical altercation or a fight? Oh, man, I can't even remember. That must have been grade school. It must have been out playing football during recess or something like that. No, that's not something I go looking for or something, quite honestly, that I think I would do well in. So it's been at least 20 years since you put hands on somebody or somebody put hands on you. I would think so. I would think so. Maybe more. I don't know. Okay. That didn't go where I wanted it to go, but okay. Do you want me to make something up? Well, this one time, man. Well, you could be honest. Were you in the ones that you have had, were you at least victorious? I can't even remember. Probably 50, 50. I would guess. I, I feel like most of them end up being in sports they end up being somehow coming from sports, either playing football at recess or playing intramural sports. And the older you get, the quicker those things get broken up. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I get that. I think um, Tony was the last time you, you had to put hands on somebody. Ooh, um, it's probably been like 15 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, some kid was uh, was picking at me, and I just had enough. No, that's usually how it goes. That's that's kind of like the last time I, I got into one. Yeah, have you been out fighting people? Why why did this? No, I, I was just curious because I'm, I'm trying to. I was thinking of segments and like what are things that I know Jason hadn't done in a while, and throw hands was one of the things that I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed correctly. I think a more a better question would be because these are more likely. When did you almost? Have to throw hands with somebody. Right. I was going to get to that. Yeah. The last time you almost had to fight. I don't, I don't end up in those situations very often. I couldn't even think of when the last time was. It'd have to be maybe at a game where somebody was drunk and out of line or somebody starts uh, getting in too close to your wife and kids or something like that. It just, this just doesn't come up in my life. I live a very Nerf ball bubble wrapped life. I don't last week when we recorded the podcast in the morning, that's the hardest thing I've had to do in probably 10 or 12 years, like in, in all facets of life. Okay. So the last time I, I, the last time I actually fought, it was, uh, I was in sixth grade and I'm fighting an eighth. I had to fight an eighth grader that, uh, disrespected okay. me on, on the bus coming home from a game. Okay. Uh, so the dude 
he was actually in seventh grade. I was in sixth grade. And my brother. This was at a Christian school, right? You know how we get. <laughs> yes. <at laughs> school. So uh, we're in the back of the bus. I'm going to sit down. Kid sitting in my spot throws my coat on the ground. And so I said, yo, um, this is my seat. He's like, no, it's my seat now. And so, you know, young Russ Dorsey, you're not going to tell him too many times. And I said, okay, no, my coat was here. It's sitting right there next to you. Like you're Mm -hmm. in my seat. Yeah. The kid proceeds to put my coat that my parents paid harder and money for on the ground. What kind of coat was it? I don't remember, dude. It was just a coat. So So from like my childhood, it would have been a starter jacket or something. See that, then that's why we have ask an old person because I was not wearing starter jackets. All right, but, so you got your coat thrown on the ground, and yeah, you're not going to abide so, that. So I'm disrespected at this point. Son said, I, "I, I'm gonna tell him one more time, or or I'm gonna put hands on him." Now this is actually fifth grade Russ Dorsey fighting a seventh grader. So I said, you "Keep changing right. how old you were. You keep making yourself younger." No, I was younger. I was eventually younger. it was kindergarten Russ Dorsey fighting a high school kid. <laughs> my brother, my brother was in eighth grade at the time, so it was definitely. I was in fifth grade. Kid was in seventh grade. So I, I give my brother, uh, I had a drink in my hand. I give my brother my drink. And this says more about my brother than even coming and help. But that's another story for another day. And so I said, all right, I've had enough. And I go in and swing on dude. And tightened him up real quick. So I, I won that one. So that was the last fight that I'd gotten in. But you got your seat back. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Okay. The, the last almost fight I had was like two years ago, though. So like you said, like when people get drunk, that's when you usually get into those situations. So I'm at a Halloween party with uh, it's me, my boy, Don, and two of my best friends um, that are young ladies. We're at a party on Halloween in the city and there's a dude that gets he's clearly drunk and he puts his hand on one of my friends. And so there are not a lot of things that get me riled up but putting your hands on women is one of them and putting your hands uh, on one of my friends is, is but you shouldn't you should never really touch people when it's unwanted you shouldn't touch period. anybody right yeah. but those two things i'm just so you know when you're talking to somebody and you're like your hands already in the fist well you yeah <laughs> so, my hand was already in the fist because i was geared up and ready to go and my friend like snatches away my like, hands already on my car keys yeah, you're you're trying to get up out of there. <laughs> so me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing this tonight. And as I go to uh, approach dude, my boy Don's like, no, nah, because here comes his people. And so his people were just like, yo, we're getting him out of here. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you better get him because I was about to put my hands on him. And so that was the last like almost fight that I had. But I, I do think it's important. Not important, but you should have like your blood raise a little bit. Like, I think you should always have that little uh, a little adrenaline rush every once in a while. I I think I still even in the in most moments that even get close to that, am like, this is just not worth the trouble. This is so much less of a situation. Just just to leave and uh, separate from this before it gets worse. Do you stay yeah. ready though? Yeah, you stay ready. You never got to get ready. I don't think my life requires me to stay ready. I think you should always stay ready. But I'll start working on that for you, Tony. You should always stay ready. I'll start working on staying ready. Because if let's say you were a jewel and some dude rolls up on on Ashley, you're going to throw hands like it does. You don't even have to come on. Mm. Like you never like when you're out, just survey 
the the you land. Have to know your 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 yeah, your surroundings. Like, all right, if this guy does something, I can do that. If oh, that or like you're Jason Bourne or something, you're yeah, looking you gotta, everywhere, you looking at the exits, looking around the room. What can I use as a weapon? Yes, that doesn't yes. come up for me, man. That doesn't happen in my life. Nah, Ooh. man, legacy. That's how you get. Come on now, that's you how, got, we gotta. That's how you get. I'm not even allowed to go to. That is how I'm not allowed not. to do the grocery shopping in my house because I've proven irresponsible with it too many times. Well, you're clearly irresponsible because you don't even know what's <laughs> your surroundings. <laughs> so no, I wouldn't let you buy the chips from the store. Yeah. No, no, that's the problem. Is that's what I'll buy. You I have, buy all the. Yeah, I come home with like Oreos and chips and stuff, and I don't bring any of the. You, uh, of all people, you have. A lovely wife and daughters, you, sir, need to like know what's going on in the area surrounding you where it's not just, oh, I got to know the car key. So we, everybody get to the car real quick. Like this has become more like teach an old person than ask an old person. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to make sure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.